0: You wake up and you go to school. You walk between your classes and you see students of different grades talking and working. As you walk, you pass by a particular table of students. They're quiet, holding tablets, and they eat looking down. You walk away. You go into your class. Two students are missing, they've been absent for a week. You hear people whispering, I heard they had some kind of mental breakdown? Guess they got too stressed. Why, we all had to take the same test, do the same work. Why do they get to miss school? You look at the two empty seats and you remember the strain on their faces as they pass in their papers. You sit down. This isn't fiction, let's try again. You wake up and you go to school. You pass by the same table of students. They're quiet, holding tablets, and smiling. They're surrounded by other kids, working, eating, talking. The table doesn't look so empty and the kids don't feel as different. You wave and walk away. You go into your class. The two students were gone last week but they've come back. Students walk by them before going to their own seats, smiling or talking to them. You look at the two students and you remember the strain on their faces as they pass in their papers. They don't look so stressed now. You smile and sit down. This is fiction. Which one should be reality? My name is Arushi Shankar and I'll be talking about the ableist stigmas in education and what would happen if education on mental and cognitive disorders were mandatory for all students in the U.S.
1: Depression and anxiety is probably the most uh, common uh, mental health uh, illnesses uh, that, that uh, high schoolers um, experience.
0: That was Dr. Raji Natarajantiyagi, a licensed marriage and family therapist and a full professor at Alliance International University. She has a master's in social work and a PhD in marriage and family therapy. I asked her to explain how the educational opportunities of students is affected by mental or cognitive illnesses.
1: Sometimes they might say, oh, this kid has a lot of behavioral problems, so let's put ABA. What they may not be paying attention to is this kid has other trauma in their lives, Um, right? And... ABA might actually backfire.
0: Dr. Raji illustrated that the crux of the issue is lack of knowledge and care. Schools with the capacity to help children with specific issues allow for those students to grow and blossom just as well as their peers. However, the ignorance and stigma present in some schools and other students prevents this from becoming a universal reality. Jordan Zimmerman, an autistic student and advocate for education, wrote an article for the Hedgingo Report titled, They told me I'd never go to college, but I just finished my freshman year. What about all the other students with autism? Explaining her difficulties as a nonverbal student with the lack of resources available for autistic students. In her words, sometimes I don't know what people believe a student like myself is worth. Shouldn't everyone be given the chance to embrace higher education? The clear stigma present in schools prevents the academic opportunities every student deserves, leaving students like Zimmerman to push themselves 10 times harder just to be considered by neurotypical students. Especially now, during the pandemic, students are left without the assistance of teachers and aides and are confined to Zoom meetings and Google Classroom. Lauren Kamara, in her article on U.S. News, titled Schools Struggle to Educate Students with Disabilities Amid Pandemic, introduces difficulties disabled students have in online learning. Kamara tackles the additional divide between disabled students who have individuals to work with them near constantly versus those who must struggle to keep up alone. Now, what have districts done to help students with mental and cognitive disabilities?
2: There is a No Child Left Behind, which is a federal... Policy, which Mm -hmm. means it behooves all the members of the school district to make sure that every child is um, given the appropriate education that they need to get.
0: That was Ms. Shanti Narayanan, an active speech pathologist who helps with therapy for young children on the spectrum. She introduced the No Child Left Behind policy, which mandates that schools must consistently test students to ensure their progress is at the level it should be. Another prominent policy, IDEA, Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, works to design a personalized education plan which ensures disabled students receive help for their unique needs. These acts, however, do not erase stigmas present in students and teachers without experiences with disabilities. I want to explore a world where the effort is met on both ends, where neurotypical students receive adequate education on disabled students. Would having specific education on mental and cognitive disabilities be a good idea?
2: It would be nice, I think, if every child is educated on how they can be supportive for these kind of kids.
0: Ms. Shanti states that such classes work to destabilize the stigmas in place against children with mental or cognitive disorders. However, there are more complications involved. I asked both Dr. Raji and Ms. Shanti whether grouping all the children together would be a good idea. Definitely, when you separate them, segregation will happen. Ms. Shanti brings up the point that separation may not work to erase any stigmas. A kid who has
1: um, extreme disability, just for the sake of mainstreaming them, they're not going to benefit.
0: Dr. Raji, however, presents that for students who require additional help, mainstreaming them may result in them getting left behind. We concluded that the best solution may be to find a middle ground, depending on each child's context. The next complication is deciding who would teach the classes. Any teacher or a specific teacher with personal experience with disabilities.
1: It has to be both. We don't have as many trained people who have experienced it themselves.
0: Having both teachers may just be the best solution. Schools will be hard-pressed to search for specific teachers with personal experience. But by having a mix of both, students may understand that there is not a huge divide. Thus, working to slowly eliminate stigmas. I really think
1: it's all about branding. If you say how this is going to
0: impact their education
1: positively, I can't imagine why they wouldn't jump in.
0: Dr. Raji brings up that this class will not only be beneficial to students with cognitive and mental disabilities, but also for neurotypical students. By educating them in ways to take care of their own mental health, as well as teaching them valuable interpersonal skills, parents may be convinced that this class really is a good idea for their children. So would mandatory education on mental and cognitive disorders be a good idea? The extra workload that will fall upon teachers and the extra material they will have to learn may be a nightmare, but with students learning ways to help both themselves and their peers, giving all students an opportunity to belong and allowing for stigmas against disabled students to break, the class may also be a dream come true. My name is Rishi Shankar and this was What If Education on Mental and Cognitive Disabilities Were Mandatory for All US Students. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Dr. Raji and Nishanti for the interviews and US News and the Hedginger Report for additional research.